Aloha, welcome to the Mr. G podcast. This is episode 53. Today is Aloha Friday, July 14th, 2023. I'm coming to you from the outskirts of Chinatown uh, in Honolulu, Hawaii, the largest city in the Pacific Ocean, where it's a, a sunny 78 degrees uh, here in wonderful Hawaii. And today's episode, where yesterday was all about hoops, Today, uh, we're going to talk about reading. We might talk a little basketball, but mainly reading. This podcast doesn't have a necessary theme. The The idea of this podcast came from uh, voice timing with my girlfriend who lives in uh, Manchester, England. And we would do voice calls and I would be entertaining and uh, tell stories. And I thought, hey, why not do that for 20 minutes a day? You know, it shouldn't ruffle that many feathers. We're going to try to get it through the whole 20 minutes. I do have a young man stalking me straight up, standing outside my apartment right now. He doesn't even live here. He comes here every day. His parents live here. And he seemed to have found a way to jam my internet signal. So I'm in the process of filing a formal complaint with the FCC about that. And uh, eventually they're, they're going to have to leave me alone. That's just the reality. That's my favorite kind of tea, reality. And today, like I said, we're going to talk about reading and how reading is fundamental. Uh, yesterday, I was talking to my beautiful girlfriend, Jamie, and she was telling me how I'm really good at reading and writing and how that doesn't come easy for everybody. And she was telling me how she taught her younger siblings how to read. And I was thought about it and... Uh, realized you know a lot of who we are is uh we're born with nature and uh, uh then the rest of us comes from nurture how we are raised and with me i have a twin brother a fraternal twin brother and me and him have completely different natures but we had the same nurture we were raised in the same household with the same schools and had the same friends and the same interests and the same hobbies but still both of us were born completely different and I always just had a knack for reading and writing, which is the most important thing in school. Uh, college is basically writing papers in every class. And if you're good at reading, if you're good at writing, if you're good at uh, if you have a good memory, then you're going to excel in school. Um, and so that's what I was able to do. But I, I, I have learned, read studies about how fundamental, how important it is for a parent to read to their child. And some of the largest uh, studies that have ever been done uh, were on uh, if a child, if a parent read to their child or not. And the vast majority of children that were read to uh, had success in education and life, and they went on uh, to accomplish things. Uh, the children that, that were not read to uh, did not uh, take up reading and did not uh, take up, um, were not good in school. And uh, there's definitely a correlation there between reading to your kids and success in school. And I and I thought about, well, what about me? Because I had a horrible father that never once even considered reading to me or my brother. But then I was reminded about when my mom, who had didn't have custody of us, she had, my mom, mom had two sets of twins. Uh, the odds of a woman having two sets of twins is one in 700,000. But my mom also had schizophrenia. I don't know what the odds of a woman having two sets of twins and schizophrenia is, but I'm guessing it's pretty low. So due to her schizophrenia, uh, she was in and out of mental hospitals, but she wasn't crazy when she was on the, her hardcore medication. She worked as a teacher, actually, as a special ed teacher. 
And um, she had, uh, we would see her on the weekends. And one thing that she would always do is read to us. And uh, it was very important to her that she made sure to read it to us. And she would always take us to the library to check out books. And she really uh, encouraged us to read. And that's something that really uh, left a mark on me. And also the elementary school I went to, Thousand Oaks Elementary, it was a, a good, a very good school, you know, especially compared to the schools here in Hawaii. It's unbelievable. I went to the Northeast Independent School District in San Antonio, Texas, a public school system, but one of the top public schools in the United States. Here in Hawaii, the Honolulu public school system is one of the worst in the United States. If you take the any high school newsletter, newspaper here in Hawaii, you'll be amazed uh, how poorly written it is. There's errors on every page, double commas, spacing is off. And it's just unbelievable. Like literally my Thousand Oaks Elementary School newspaper was a better quality than the high school newspapers here in Hawaii. So I, I was uh, privileged, for lack of a better word. I didn't have a good father and didn't have a good household, but we lived in an upper middle class neighborhood. And so I got to attend a good elementary school that had a good library and good librarians and good teachers. And the teachers would all read to us and encourage us to read. But it is something that just came naturally to me. But like I said, uh, with most students, with most kids, it's very important to read to them. And like I said, some of the uh, largest studies ever done um, from the Child Mind Institute, they say, from birth, babies are hardwired to develop language skills and consistent exposure to a wide variety of language patterns that helps them do exactly that. Just exposure to words is the simple most thing that you can do to help build the language pathways in your child's brain. <clears throat> Reading and exposure, exposing words helps kids maximize their language and cognitive capacity. So I would say that I'm really good at uh, the English language, but I always had problems in Spanish. In all of uh, my Spanish classes at the University of Texas and at Austin Community College, I was actually the worst one in the class. Personally, for whatever, my mind just worked completely differently. Uh, however, it was in college that I realized I had a better memory than everyone else. And that was due to like college classes when you know, especially like a small college class where it was a simple reading assignment every night. And uh, it was a discussion class, uh, a, a, a survey class, as they call it, at a university. And there was like 12 students and we all sat around a round table and we all had the same reading assignment. And I read the chapter just like everybody else did once. I didn't like I read through it and highlighted a few of it, a few lines and stuff. And every day we had a new chapter to read. And so the thing is, we'd come to class every day and we'd have a discussion with the 10 or 12 people. And I realized that, that even though we all read the same assignment, I remembered more than five, 10 times as much as everybody else. I remembered actual sentences and paragraphs and they couldn't believe it. And every day they literally, other students were like, you must have read it a few times. You've probably taken this course before. Looking at my shoes. Well, what kind, how could, how could he be smart? Look at his shoes. Look at those shoes. Look at them. But it was at that moment, like, wow, like, no, I knew that I had only read it once, just like these. This was like an honors college course at the University of Texas. And I realized, like, oh, hey, I may suck in Spanish and they may think I'm the stupidest kid in the world, the stupidest student in the world. I was almost 30, so I wasn't a kid. I was just acting like a kid with like a New York Knicks cap. I'm like, hey, I'm young, guys. 
But the thing is, 95% of all undergraduates at the University of Texas were under 25 years old. So I was between the age of uh, 26 and 30. So even though I was in my late 20s, I was older than 95% of the other students. And you can find that statistic in my first book, Gonzo Education. But the thing is, I realized like, wow, I have a great memory. And it's something that my brain developed later because uh, me and my brother, we had to attend language classes when we, when we were entered kindergarten and first grade because our father never spoke to us. And so we couldn't really communicate or speak. Me and my twin brother had like our own language and they put us in these uh, speech classes. And I remember one day, I just like, why don't I just start speaking? And I just started speaking like in human language. Like, like that's what human language sounded to me at that time. And my brother like looked at me like, you traitor, do you speak our language? But then they're like, yeah, he doesn't need speech anymore. But then they kept my brother into the speech classes. And he always, for years after that, even after the speech classes, he had problems with his R's. So his R's would sound like W's. So I don't really believe you. You didn't drive a waste car, you know. And uh, uh, so my mind developed a, a, much differently. And I wasn't read to or even spoken to as a child. So maybe it has something to do with that. Since I, I had uh, such a late development, I was able to master it better. But like I said, in college classes and language, I was not good. But as far as the English language, like right now, I don't have a script here. I, I just talk for 20 minutes almost every day I do this. Not many people are capable of doing this. Right now, I'm doing something on my phone. I just have my mouth open and there's like old men in the sky around a cauldron just sending words out of my mouth. Sometimes I say words that I don't even, I'm like, oh, I know that word. <laughs> That's something. And sometimes I, I use them incorrectly as well. But once again, from the Child Mind Institute, research has found that young children whose parents read to them daily have been exposed to at least 290,000 more words by the time they enter kindergarten than kids who aren't read to regularly. And depending on how much daily reading time kids get, that number can go up to over a million words. All that exposure likely makes it easier for kids to expand the vocabularies and understand the variety of texts they need to read as they get older, both inside and out. So, um, like I said, um, I'm, there are exceptions. I would be in exceptions to the rule. But generally, um, if you want your kids to succeed, uh, you want to read to them. That's one of the most important things, as well as positive reinforcement. Uh, you know, you want to encourage your kids and uh, pat them on the back. Aside from language and literacy, reading is also an important tool for helping children develop empathy. As you, you look at the majority of uh, prisoners, they weren't read to as children or even spoken to. But I ain't up there, huh? I became Batman. You know, you can either become the hero or the villain. You either take the trauma and the pain that was given to you and you want to inflict it on other people. Or you take the trauma and pain that was given to you and you don't want other people to feel that same thing. And that's why I wake up at 3 a.m. every day and feed 100 street cats. Because when I was a kid, my asshole father took my cat and went and dropped it off somewhere. And these cats that I'm feeding, the same damn thing happened to them. So that's what I do every day. I don't want any other kitties to feel what my kitty went through. But as far as empathy and reading to your kids, as kids read books about people whose lives are different from their own, and especially stories told from perspectives of those people like autobiographies, 
They gained an appreciation for other people's feelings as well as other cultures, lifestyles, and perspectives. Books can also help kids learn how to handle their own feelings in healthy ways. Seeing characters in books experience big emotions like anger or sadness lets kids know that these feelings are normal, and it gives them a chance to talk about their own difficult feelings, too. Parents can use reading time as an opportunity to foster kids' emotional awareness and build the tools for handling feelings. Have you ever felt as angry as this child in the book? Would you do the same as this kid did? And it also, uh, you know, creates a, ch a parent-child bond. Like I said, uh, growing up, my mother didn't have custody of her two sets of twins. But I remember one particular instance when we were visiting on a weekend and she was reading to me and my brother and the story was about seasons and holidays. And so it showed Thanksgiving and Halloween and Valentine's Day. And it showed a family celebrating together. And I remember my mom just broke down in tears and me and my brother couldn't understand why. We're, we're like, aren't you happy that we're here? Why are you crying? Why are you sad? Aren't you happy that we're here? But the thing is, she was sad because she couldn't experience, you know, all these family celebrations because she didn't have custody of her two sets of twins. And that was a really sad thing, but I didn't understand it at the time. But the parent-child bond is something um, that sticks with them. And I'll always remember and appreciate how my mom read to me. Um, according to the Child Mind Institute, having time to read with a parent isn't just about the activity of reading. It's about having consistent, focused time together with other distractions, without other distractions or demands. Even a few minutes of reading together gives both you and your child a chance to slow down, connect with each other, and share an enjoyable activity. And that's what reading is about. Um, it's really um uh, significant and uh, original and it's in its way that it just slows things down and uh, it, it, you have a connection with that book and maybe I say that because I'm a writer and I uh, grew up reading books I grew up in libraries but um, uh, the, the, the uh, it's something that won't ever die out um, what's more cozy together than or benefit for kids cognitive development especially when they're younger the sensory experiences of sitting with a caregiver, hearing that familiar voice, and feeling a book in their hands are important for kids' brain development. I also remember the Thousand Oaks Library Elementary School that I went to. Like I said, I was lucky enough, privileged to go to a really good uh, public elementary school. And they actually had like a castle. If you Google it right now, Thousand Oaks Elementary School, you can see like they still have this little castle. But when you're an elementary school student, it seems huge. And you could go in the little castle with a book. And every day or almost a few times a week, uh, you know, homeroom teachers would take their students to this library. And I remember a lot of the books that I've read and uh, that I learned there. And that's uh, where I developed a love of, of reading. So even though I didn't have a father that really cared, um, I was able to develop a love from reading. Uh, so it's kind of sad when you see how poor the uh, public school system here is in Hawaii uh, compared to where I went to in San Antonio, because uh, students here, they're not taken to the library. Um, there was always story time every day when I went to elementary school. So the teacher would stand in front of the, uh, would sit in front of the students and read a book. And occasionally uh, the students would uh, get to read to the class as well. And uh, my girlfriend, Jamie, was telling me a, a story about when she was reading to the class and she had uh, problems reading, but there was one of her friends in the front row. And so she would like, every time she had problems with a word, she would just show her friend the word, like, what's that word? And I thought that was cute. And uh, it's really sad. Like I said, the students here, 
the public school students aren't lucky enough to even have hardly any good teachers. Uh, half the teachers here, they didn't haven't even attended college. It's Hawaii has uh, one of the lowest ranked public school systems in the United States. They have one of the lowest ranked college systems as well. You won't see people reading here at the, anywhere like you will on the mainland or in any other country. You'll see people reading books. If you see somebody reading a book in Hawaii, it's like, what the fuck? Like, where are you from? <laughs> like, we don't read here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You, no, that doesn't fly. You know, <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. But uh, I was, I told my uh, lovely girlfriend, Jamie, about uh, the fourth grade teacher I had, Mrs. Brown. And Mrs. Brown uh, wasn't brown. She was white. <laughs> you know, a lot of people with the last name Brown are uh, people of color. But uh, Mrs. Brown was like an older white lady with gray hair. And she didn't know what to think about me. She was my fourth grade English teacher, so not homeroom. So we'd go over there for writing and stuff. And I had, I, I had, I had horrible penmanship at that time. I actually couldn't tell my left from my right or tie my shoes in fourth grade. I was just like out there and we didn't have parents and we dressed like we were like poor third world Africans because our father bought us the cheapest possible clothes. And we dressed this way at an upper middle class school. And so all the other students like were dressed better and had parents that cared about them. So this particular teacher, Mrs. Brown, didn't know what to think of me. And I had the worst handwriting, the worst penmanship. I wrote with both hands and I couldn't figure out writing or cursive. And this was before any time uh, typing. But um, but at, by the end of the year, the instruct the teacher, Mrs. Brown, realized that I was a, a really cr a creative writer. And she was surprised that she had been wrong about me. But my handwriting was so horrible. And we had this year long project uh, where we did the whole alphabet, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And every letter was a different page that we made like a drawing. And we uh, started the letter with like A is for apples because apples is my are my favorite food. And like when I got to the letter O, I put O is for outside because I love being outside and playing sports. But that was a lie. And I the whole year I thought they were gonna somebody was going to figure out because I didn't like going outside and playing sports. Our father would make us go outside, lock us outside. And we were in the neighborhood. My brother, twin brother would play sports, but I would hang out with an orange cat named Sam. And I would always want to go inside and want to play video games and want to be in the air conditioned and out of the Texas heat. But in that thing, in that little fourth grade book, and at the end of the year, we were supposed to all read it to the kindergarten class. But the thing is, at the end of the year when we fin I finished my book my book was so poorly done and it looked like a kindergartner had done it basically because my mind at that time was pr pretty much a little above a kindergartner it was fourth grade but I developmentally I was behind so much from not having parents talk to you and the thing is that's the most important thing to read to your kids and talk to your kids when they're at that age because when they start kindergarten and first grade the last thing a first grader wants to do is hang out with a kid that's three years younger than him and mentally if you're that kid is three years younger than him because the parents didn't speak to them that kid is going to be behind going on and on in life and that was the case even flash fast forward to ninth grade I couldn't handle ninth grade at high school algebra. I had to stop going to school. My mind was like a, a third grader, even though I was like post-pubescent, you know, like six foot tall. I was like, had the mind of a young person. But then when I get to college in my 20s, after I had developed and in my late 20s, I'm able to do, you know, honors university courses and things that I could not even do when I was 18 years old because my brain hadn't fully developed. 
But in this fourth grade class, it really hurt my ego. It hurt my fourth grade ego, but it carried on. I was the only one in the class that didn't get to show his ABCD alphabet book to the kindergarten class because mine was so poorly done and so messy. But the teacher, like I said, she did realize I was a good writer. We, we had like one writing assignment and I started it off with like a flashback. We had to write about an alien's experience on Earth and the alien. And I started off with the alien leaving Earth. And he's like, that was a great experience. And she realized that even though my handwriting was so messy and it looked like hieroglyphics and you could barely read it, is if you actually made it out, it was really good and it was really uh, smart and intelligent. And in this fourth grade class, Mrs. Brown's class, I remember I had it in, in the year 1989 to 1990. And during New Year's, we were off for New Year's Eve, but we came back uh, to school. And on the day that we came back, it, the year had changed from 1989 to 1990. And Mrs. Brown asked the class, who in here has a home uh, computer at your house? And about uh, maybe a third or a half of the class raised their hand. And I raised my hand too, because I knew my dad had one. So I'm like, yeah, he, he has one, but I had never used it myself. And she was like, when I was your guys' age, that's about how many people had television sets. And then we're like, oh, wow, how many of you have television sets? Then everybody raised their hands. And she's like, in the future, when you guys are, are, are my, my age now, every house is going to have a computer just like every house has a television and i think that's pretty much accurate I, I can't say for everybody i know like a lot of like older people and maybe like you know not poor but like different cultured people probably still have tvs and watch cable there is a cable company so they're obviously have some customers i don't really know who would order cable it's pretty ridiculous like if if you have internet like and that's been the case for like a decade like I don't really understand, actually, why would anybody need cable if you have Internet? Because you can get anything you can on cable, sometimes illegally, but on the on the Internet. So it's kind of like if you have cable, then that means you're like a boomer or you don't know anything about technology or you're living like in the 80s or 90s. I had cable. The last time I had cable was 12 years ago, over 12 years ago, when on my house in Texas off of Abilene Trail near convict hill drive where alex jones lives but uh i just doxed alex jones but um but uh, that i had cable there because it was like a big suburban house i didn't pay for the cable and there were there was just cable in every room and i guess when i worked as a caregiver here in hawaii they had cable and the old lady just would watch tv all day and she'd been doing that for like literally like 50 years they had a parrot that liked me a lot named Kaliki. And uh, she would have, there was cable, a TV in each room and each TV had a universal remote. And so there was cable in every room and, and nobody spoke to each other. There was like an old man and another caregiver and everybody was like in their room with their own cable device, like cable, cable, cable. And it was just like a hundred channels or whatever. And uh, it kind of like makes you feel like you're part, <laughs> the cable is part of the family. Like, the cables with the thing that brings everybody together, literally. And it's just like, oh, like you hear the old man sometimes shout, put it on channel eight, channel eight. What channel? Channel eight. Which one? Uh, you know, like if they see a program that the other one would like, and it's just like, it's sad, but it's also like comforting in a way. Like, I guess I'll always be above that. I won't ever be that stupid, no matter how old I get. Like I can always see between the lines, 
but you know they would watch like local programs like they had like the hawaii hula concerts it's like a big deal every year i forgot what it's called the merry monarch thing and uh they made it into a, a huge thing but it really was like the cable was part of the the household and and it is kind of sentimental because like you know you grow up on cable and like uh you grow up like on mtv and comedy central and the cartoon network and a lot of times when you're from my generation, you you, know, you didn't have parents, gen, gen Xers and millennials, early millennials. They, uh, you know, were just put in front of the TV. So all you had was, you know, VH1, MTV, Comedy Central, you know, and it became like, a, you know, a fixture and something you could always count on. You couldn't count on your mom. You couldn't count on your dad. You couldn't count on your brothers or your friends. But it was like always there for you and always on. And that's like something it's really hard to describe uh, and it's really hard to uh, give somebody uh, what that actually felt like. You really had to been there. And um, I'm not saying that it's better now or, or that it's not better now. Obviously it's better to have, you know, uh, whatever you want to watch, to have more control, whatever song you want, but it's, it takes away that sense of community. Whereas where, when back in the day, when people used to listen to the radio it's just like everybody was listening to the same song back when there was only four stations. It's like, Oh, did you watch NBC last night? Yeah. They had that horror movie. No, no, no. I watched ABC. They had this, but there were only a few things. And so everybody had sim had, were watching similar things. Everybody was listening to the top 40 music. That's like died out. Like radio's the most dying medium. There is talk to anybody in radio. They'll first thing they'll tell you like, yeah, it's not going to be around much longer. And, um, at least not in the form that it had that we recognized for the last 50, 60 years. So, but things change and you either win or, or you either join them or you don't, or you either lose or you join them. And you're either a laggard, somebody that lags on the lower technology, which is somebody that's usually poor and less educated, or you're an early adapter, somebody that, you know, adapts early technology, which is somebody usually more educated and more fluent. So which group do you want to be in? I want to be in the in the higher upper echelon group. I want the newest iPhone. I want the newest Samsung. I know that's not always possible, but guess what, guys? It wasn't possible. I didn't have my own computer until I was, you know, 24, 25 years old. I, I, but I still used computers every day. I still went to the public library every day. I still use the internet every day. I still got took computer classes every day. Even if you don't have access to the technology, the, the knowledge is there. And Elon Musk is right when he said that you can, you don't need to go to college now because well, most people, because you can learn anything you want to learn online for free, just about anything. And that's that's what what I loved about public libraries is even though I didn't have any toys at home, even though I didn't have a mother at home, even though I didn't have a father that gave a shit about me or any many friends, all I had was an orange cat. I did have the public library where they had the coldest water. Shout out Brook Hollow Public Library off of Heidi Heimer Road, uh, but uh, near Coker Elementary School. But um, the public library was always a refuge, uh, the air conditioned, get out of the 100 degree heat. I don't know how hot it is today in uh, San Antonio and Austin in uh, July uh, 14th here, but I'm guessing it's 100 degrees or worse, maybe 110. Uh, not comfortable at all. Here in Hawaii, it's never been 100 degrees in recorded history. Once, once, guys, it's been 100 degrees here in Hawaii.
So uh, I, I think I said enough about Miss Brown. Uh, she, like I said, she had mixed feelings at the end of the year. The the main school teacher, Miss Marbach, she liked me a lot, but uh, she didn't like the fact that I beat up this other kid. And so she, she was kind of mixed about me. They didn't really know what to think at that time. But uh, but I'll always remember Miss Brown. And uh, I remember, like I said, the Thousand Oaks Public Library. Uh, that was a really good influence. And just having teachers that read to you. And when there was like a guest speaker that came to read and, um, you know, reading uh, is something that's always there. If somebody's motivated enough, then they can improve themselves. But most people don't and most people don't change. So that's the silver lining to having uh, no not uh, any parental influence when I was at a young age is that I was just a sponge uh, at the at the right time. And I was able to uh, soak up the right information and it it only made me stronger. So thank you all for listening. The Mr. G podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Apple Podcasts is the top place to listen to it. Uh, so listen to it on your way to work or while you're at work. Uh, just type in uh, Mr. G Gregory Brandt Hawaii uh, podcast, Mr. G Hawaii podcast. Also Audacity, Spotify. And if you still can't find it, full episodes on Twitter and YouTube. All right, everybody, have a great day for me and my street cats. Aloha. Mahalo.